0: Good morning, everyone. Y'all all right? Yeah. Are you happy? Yeah. What's the old song? If you're happy and you know it, say amen. 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 All right, we got some happy people here. Are you having fun? Because if you're not having fun, it's not worth doing. If you got to do something, might as well have fun with it, right? So let's have fun in the Lord today. And uh, it's good to, good to see everyone. I'm, I'm happy to have Gail. Did I get that right? Ah, I got it right, Gail came back this week, and you were here last week, thank you so much for being here. And uh, uh, also, uh, and I, I didn't acknowledge it last week, but we, we got our youngest member in the congregation is, we've got, now remind is Langston, correct? Lang, Langston Sneed is with us today, and, and uh, Mark's back there dancing with him a little bit, trying to keep him happy, and... Really? Is, is that your baby brother? Yes. It is. So, are you you helping to take care of him? Oh yeah, a little bit. So helping mama, and nice, <laughs> nice. That's right. Train them up in the way they should go. The Bible says no. Uh, and Jamie, you look great representing Texas A and M today. So, uh, hey, amen. It's good. It's just good to have the Sneed family back in here. We love you guys. And uh, to all of you who are watching uh, via the stream, uh, thank you so much. We hope you're keeping yourself uh, healthy and safe. And uh, uh, those of you who are here uh, that, that feel comfortable enough to be here, thank you for being here. Uh, just uh, just every, everyone looks good today, good and healthy. And uh, on Super Bowl Sunday, just, just leave it up to our, one of our British brethren over there to represent. He says true football, right? True. <laughs> so and what, what team is this? Liverpool. We Liverpool. We oh nice. Nice. So 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 your attention is elsewhere today. Yeah, about five minutes. Oh about five. Okay. Well I have got a, I got a quick <laughs> no, no pressure, Dave. I got a little quick sermon to do real. <laughs> and <here> you go. <laughs> so so if you haven't greeted David Croft today, make sure you, you everyone say hi to him. He may disappear in a, in a few minutes. So. <laughs> Amen. Um, before I get into our, the messes today, do we, do we have the video ready? Uh, uh, last week, I had mentioned uh, when we were talking about the power of praise and worship, uh, I'd mentioned uh, Carrie Kimball and, and how, you know we, we got to see you know Bob had, had showed video at one point. When, when Carrie was in her darkest hour and physically struggling the most, um, and, and there were days that she really wasn't even, she couldn't really focus on a whole lot, but if, if you would put praise and worship on around her, just you, know, you would see her soul just rise up and she, was, she, would, she would begin to mouth the words and, and it was such a powerful, powerful expression of praise and worship. You know, say, well, did God heal her? Is God, her recovery, is, is it because she was praised and worshiping? She was praising and worshiping because he's worthy, and that's who she is. She's a she's a praiser, and and sometimes you just praise your way through some dark dark times, and and so did it did it move God differently? No, God is God, but it moves her differently. When we praise, it lines us up with where He wants us spiritually, so that we can we can walk whatever journey He's walking out. But anyways, uh, uh, David Lambert was so wonderful to uh, to kind of gather some of this footage from Bob, and then also. Last week, when, when I, I was like, hey, hi, Bob, I don't know if you guys are watching or what, uh, he had, he had, I saw where he went, he had commented on the stream, he's like, no, nope, we're here, we're worshiping. Um, so there was actually footage of them, you're, you're going to see where she was, really just, just about a year ago, and where she, where she was this past Sunday, worshiping with us from home. So uh, let's, let's go ahead and roll the video, it's pretty powerful. Let's sing it one more time. Amen. Didn't God go? Good. Good. And Carrie, we're still, we're still praying for you every day. If you're watching, we love you. Still praying for you every day. I got to see her for a couple of minutes yesterday uh, after the men's Bible study, Bob and I. Bob always remotes in and joins us online on Saturdays. And and uh, he and I were chatting a little bit after the Bible study, and he swiveled the camera around, and I got to see her smiling face and chat with her a little bit. So uh, just praise God. She's still on her journey, as we all are. And uh, But God God's going to... Uh, God's going to have the last say in all this, I believe. And so I'm believing for full restoration in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's, uh, let's talk today uh, a bit uh, about the divine delay. That's what we're going to call today's message. The divine delay. The Lord woke me up. Uh, it was either Monday or Tuesday. Woke me up first thing in the morning. And he was quoting scripture to me. <laughs> and uh, uh, pertaining to some things in my life. And and I, I had never taken that piece of scripture to to directly uh, uh, associate it so directly with things that I have walked through. And uh, so he he was quoting. I said, I said, whoa, hang on. What what version are you qu- quoting, Lord? And he said, the NLT. I said, sure enough. I looked it on the Bible. I said, sure enough, you are quoting the NLT. How about that? Uh, so so uh, what we're going to do, we're going to take... Uh, we're going to take the graphe, the written word of God, and and extract the logos, the the meaning, the the or the spirit, the rationale, and we're going to apply it. We're going to make it a rhema word today to apply to our lives so that it can be powerful and used used as a powerful weapon for our lives today. And 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 I hope this. Uh, I I just really feel like I, don't, I don't know who directly I'm going to be speaking to today, but I, but I hope uh, that you find it encouraging, uh, and and as as useful as, as I did. So let's, let's hop right into it. The divine delay. When God takes his time, have you ever noticed that some people, man, you, you, you pray, there've been times in your life for some, and it seems like it happens more for other people than it does for you, you know? Uh, but sometimes you pray, you have a need and you pray and God just instantly meets it, you know, uh, within, within an hour or within a few days, bam, there it is. Instantly met. But then there are some things that God speaks to you or or some things you pray about and you believe and you walk through it for years, months, weeks, sometimes a lot of years. And and, and yet you want to have faith. How do you continue to have faith when God seems like he's taking his time? How are you supposed to continue to trust? And that's what I want to talk to us today about. How to trust God when it seems like He's taking His own sweet time. Anyone ever been there? Yep. Like any day now, God, you can answer. Yep. You did hear me, right? <laughs> you did. I did pray it. I thought I prayed it like two years ago, you know? And yet here we still are. So what's going on? Now, this originally, when Peter was writing this letter, he was dealing with, first of all, uh, Christians were going through severe persecution and they were getting scattered all over the place and some were actually being put to death because of their faith. And they kind of, there was was this outcry of, okay, this Jesus said he's going to be coming back again. Well, you know, anytime now he can come get us out of here, right? Uh, Because they were facing all these hard, difficult times. And so Peter was trying to address them, say, hey, look, be patient, be patient. Look, the, the Lord's not lying to you. And, and yet, we're going we're to extract this verse to apply it, the principle of it, to apply it to our life. Uh, 2 Peter chapter 3, starting with verse 8, but you must not forget this one thing. If there's anything I'm about to tell you, Peter said, don't forget this. Above all else, remember this. What do, what do we need to remember? He so, said, dear friends, a day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. Hey, what in the world? You, what kind of talk is that? Basically, he's saying, hey, look, what, to God, what difference does it make? One day, a thousand years. It's still all the same thing. Why? Because God does not exist within time the way that we perceive time. We perceive time in a linear manner, right? We think about what happened yesterday, and now we see what's taking place right now today. And we got some plans and ideas that are going to come up for tomorrow, right? All of time exists within God. He said, I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the ending. I am the first and the last, and I'm everything in between. The Bible says he sees the end from the beginning. He holds it all within him. Time itself exists within him. So, he sees your yesterday at the same time that he sees your today, at the same time that he sees your tomorrow. Your fifth birthday to him, he sees just as much at the same, at the same sequential time that he sees your 50th birthday. Because it all exists in him. He sees the end from the beginning. To try to comprehend, it's, it's really crazy uh, mind-blowing stuff if you start really kind of diving into it. But just just to oversimplify it for for Dave's oversimplified mind, uh, how many in here stream music like from your phone or from a device? Whether you use iTunes or Amazon or Sp- Spotify, any of those apps, you pull up a song, you see there's the song. It's right there, right? It's it's a it's a it's a file sitting on a server. And you're streaming from that server. So there it is on your app. You see the song. And you're aware that everything in the song, when you're playing the song, the cursor only gets to experience the song one bite at a time, right? But, but you are fully aware that, okay, the verse is here, the course is, the course is there, the bridge is there, we got a couple of more courses, and then it's going to end. You see the song from beginning to ending, but your, your phone or your tablet or whatever you're streaming on experiences it in a linear manner and plays it in a linear manner. That's how God sees your life. He sees it all. He sees the great tapestry of it. Right? So with that in mind, he goes on and he says this, hey, a thousand years to the Lord is like a day, Day's day is like a thousand years. And then he makes a statement. So the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. Say, wait a minute. It's taken, like I haven't heard, I prayed a prayer 10 years ago, and I'm still trying to believe God for it, you know? My family's going through this, and we've been going through it for six months. Six months ago, I asked God to help me with this. And I'm still waiting on him. Why is he taking his time? What, well, according to what Peter's saying is he's not being slow the way that you think thinking he's being slow. He's not slow about his promises. Why is that? Because if he sees the end from the beginning, if he sees your life as a whole, you know, if you play a song on your device, the bridge is already there, isn't it? The chorus of the song is already there. The verse is already there. Your cursor may not be to it yet, but it's already there. So if you prayed a prayer six months ago, God answered it. You just haven't gotten to the place on your timeline that the answer is there, already waiting for you. He's saying, I'm not slow, I've already answered it. Because to him, it's all the same thing. It takes place all at the same time. He sees the sequences of your life Simultaneously, your fifth birthday your 50th birthday your 60th birthday the day you were born and the day you're going to pass he's already seen it he's already been there so if you pray a prayer today he answers it now it may be years later before you get to experience it because we experience time he experiences it all at the same time it's all within him we experience it one moment at a time. That's the human condition. If you remember, Moses asked him at the burning bush, what name am I going to tell the people who sent me? And he said, and our English translation says, I am that I am, the great I am. We've, we've sung about it. I am that I am. He, in Hebrew, it was echyei aser echyei. It means... The existence, that is the existence. I simply am. I exist. Look around you. This existence that you know. Am I trying to say that God's in this tree? I'm, no, I'm saying that the tree is in God. We exist in him. So all of time, the existence of time is within him. And then he goes on to say, so he's not being slow. Why? Because he's already answered your prayer. It's just that you're going to take a while to experience it. Why? He goes on to say this. No, he is being patient for your sake. There's a reason why you get to experience things sequentially before you encounter his answer, his promise, his blessing. Why? It goes on to say he does not want anyone to be destroyed but he wants everyone to repent. Now, that's a unique word. You hear that word quite a bit in churches, right? Repent, center, repent, center. You know, and I remember growing up, the way that, you know, the way that folks were in church, if you were, if you were a kid and you're horsing around in youth group, you know, usually the Sunday school teacher or the youth pastor would be like, man, y'all need to repent and sit down <laughs> or whatever, right? And, and it almost makes it sound as if it's like, you know, ask God to forgive you, you know, The word repent, uh, in the Greek, it's actually metano. Metano, and it actually means to think and then think about what you just thought about in a different way. In other words, it means to rethink some things. As a man thinks, so is he, the Bible says. We are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We say it a lot around here. So to repent means to think in a different way. God repented that he made man. Does that mean that God regretted that he made man? No, it means that he started taking a different approach to things. Started looking from a different angle at things. So it means the way that you've thought about some things, go back and rethink them, but think about them from a different light, from a different angle, from a different way. Consider some different things pertaining to the way God may be moving in your life. So Peter said, look, he's not being slow the way that you think he's being slow, but he's, he's being patient because he doesn't want you to be destroyed, but he wants you to rethink some things. He's heard your prayer. His word is true. His promises still stand. He's aware that you're experiencing this in a slow manner, but he's already already answered the prayer. You're just going to have to walk through some things so that you're not destroyed, but you can rethink it. What do you mean not destroyed? Do you realize that sometimes God has plans for you that you're not able to handle right now where you're at? And your own personal evolution. I'm I'm reminded of the story of the young boy who loved caterpillars. Many of you probably heard this story. He loved caterpillars, and so one he'd always go out and find caterpillars and he'd, he'd play with them. And so one day he 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 brings one home, and he sets up a little bowl for it, and he's got plenty of water and some fresh leaves, plenty plenty of stuff for it to eat and drink. And he would sit there and and look at the, watch the caterpillar in amazement and just, just love the colors on it and the way the body would move. And, and then one day, the caterpillar winds up making a, a cocoon. And, and so he's thinking, this is awesome. I'm gonna have a butterfly in my room. And so days and days go by until finally he starts seeing some struggling going on in that cocoon. And he notices a hole and starts seeing that caterpillar trying to struggle to get out of the cocoon. And he's so excited and it's taken forever. And he keeps coming back to check on it and they're still struggling. And so he thought, well, hey, man, this caterpillar's my buddy, I'm gonna help him out. And he goes and gets him little, some little, little clippers and he, and he starts clipping the side of that cocoon open and he pulls it open to find a caterpillar with a really fat body and shriveled wings. And so it lives for a couple more days, never flew, crawled around with a super fat body and little shriveled wings. And what he didn't realize and he grew to realize was that the caterpillar needs the struggle to get out of the cocoon because all the, I think it's called hemolymph. It's, it's basically if you ever step on a caterpillar and see gunk squirt out, right? That's right. That's the medical term, gunk. Have you ever seen that well, that's, that's basically the blood. Like it, it, practical, practical purposes, is it's, it's blood. But all the hemolymph gets moved and pushed out of the body and into the wings so that the wings have strength and nourishment. So that when it finally emerges from the cocoon via that struggle, it is now transformed from a caterpillar into a butterfly. What an incredible transformation God created right there in nature. And the awesome thing is once it becomes a butterfly, it can never go back and be a cocoon or be a caterpillar again, can it? That's what God does with us sometimes. Sometimes it's in the struggle. It's in the, the patient waiting, the day in and day out, the cares of life. He's not being slow. He's trying to get you to squeeze through some things because he needs some nourishment to spread your wings. He's designed you to fly, but you're going to have to go through some things. There's a process at times. You got to cook a little bit, you know? Those of you who are bakers, you, got, you, you can't pull it from the oven too quick. It's going to be a mushy mess if you want it to set right. Those of you who like to smoke meat, you don't want, Howard, you don't want to pull it from your egg too quick, do you? You've, you've got to be patient. Why? Because it, it, you know, especially if you're doing brisket, those of you who smoke brisket know about the stall, right? If you're monitoring the, the temperature, you want, you want the temperature to get up to a certain point, well, well, if you're smoking it throughout the night, all of a sudden it hits the stall and it takes a while. It just the, the temperature just levels out on it and it won't move, won't move, won't move. Well, it, it needs to render some things. That's kind of, sometimes we hit a stall in life, you know? And, and it just seems like we're not moving anywhere. We're not doing anything. We're still struggling. And God, where are you? I've been believing for this for years and years and years. But it's in the process. Joseph, Joseph could not have ruled, been second in command under Pharaoh, second most powerful man on the planet. He couldn't have ruled the way he had, had he not had to first go through betrayal from his brothers, being sold into slavery, then being wrongly accused, thrown into prison. Finally gets a chance to talk to a couple of Pharaoh's uh, employees and prophesy to them, interpret their dreams. So when y'all get back to Pharaoh, don't, don't forget about me. And it was another two years, another two years he sat in prison before he was finally pulled from prison. He got to interpret one of Pharaoh's dreams. And and eventually came to a place where he could reconcile with his brothers. It was a long journey. Had he had a chance to reconcile with them in that first year, he may have told them to get executed, you know? But he grew. Moses Moses had to live on the backside of a desert with Jethro, his father-in-law, herding livestock before he would ever be prepared to herd a whole nation out of Egypt. When God, before God could give him the law, the Mosaic law, and and a directive of how this new society should live, God calls him up on the mountain. The Bible says that the glory of God settled on the mountain like a cloud, and God speaks from the cloud, says, come on up higher with me, Moses. Could you imagine how thrilled, man, God is calling me up on this mountain. And the Bible said he climbed up on the mountain, and on the seventh day, God spoke. And man did he. He filled up. Several books of the, you know, all of a sudden the Pentateuch is written, you know, uh, he gives Moses this intricate law and, and, and style of worship and, and societal structure for this new nation. On the seventh day, he started talking. That means that Moses sat in the fog for six days. Wait a minute, God, you told me to come up here and now I can't see a thing. You ever, you ever done that? You feel like God's moved you in a direction or you get a word and you, whoo, let's go with it, God. And then you're like walking in a fog for the next few days, months, years. Did I really hear you? The Lord wants somebody to know your seventh day is around the corner. He's gonna start talking to you. He's gonna start revealing some stuff to you. This is what God wants you to know. The word for somebody. God is not being slow to answer your prayer. And the way that you're thinking, he is asking you, though, to rethink and to understand the process he's leading you through. By the time his word comes to pass, you'll be different than you are today. You'll be more perfected. You'll be more like him. You won't be conformed to the image of this world, but you'll be transformed by the renewing, the repenting, the rethinking of your mind. Then you'll be Able to know what that perfect and good will of God is, the Bible says. Man, sometimes it can be a long. I have had God instantly answer a prayer, but some of the greater things I've had to wait a lot of years. Last uh, uh, last Sunday, Kate made uh, a big announcement. Now it, it was. I say it's a big announcement. Not, that's in reference to me. It was a huge announcement for me. The fact that, praise God, in just over three years, this church has grown to a place, and we, we equate growth a lot of times with attendance. Well, we, you know, we got those who attend every week, but then we got a lot of folks that are attending, believe it or not, from all over the U.S. We're, getting, we're hearing folks from out of state contact us, you know? Uh, but giving has increased, and 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 we in just just under three and a half years, the church has we've grown to a place that we can accommodate a full time pastor. What an incredible blessing, you know. Praise God! And it was really just seriously presented to all of us back in November. So do you realize that that a that a dream that we stated in November is coming to fruition, officially March first. And, and I'm overwhelmed and honored that, that you guys would trust me to, to be the person to step into that position. And, and it's, it's a blessing from God. But what you don't understand is that seems really quick from November to basically the, the end of January when uh, the door opened, right? It was actually 33 years for me. <laughs> 33 years. Uh, when I was 16 years old, I started preaching when I was 12 years old. God, you know, God had my mom take me to my pastor at the time. And she said, do something with David because, you know, he's getting in trouble in school. I was a straight A student, but I talked too much. That's hard to believe, isn't it? <laughs> Not the talking too much. The fact I was a straight A student. That's what I'm saying. It was hard to believe, right? And so, my, and so Pastor Davis, you've met him, Glenn Davis. Uh yeah he's he's come here and preached. He looked at me and he said, You talk, huh? I said next Wednesday night we're having a youth takeover service. The youth were gonna get up and, and play all the instruments and take up the offering and, do, and they were gonna lead lead service for us, right? And he said, and guess who the guest speaker is? It's gonna be you. And okay, so believe it or not, and, and, and I still somewhere, somewhere in Garland, Texas, 1717 Castle Drive at Abundant Life Church. Probably up in the attic in boxes. There's probably, there still exists probably a cassette of my first sermon. And believe it or not, I have to go back and laugh because this whole past year and this whole past summer, what did we talk about? Faith, faith, Abraham, Abraham. Guess what my first sermon was about ever? Abraham and faith. I had no clue at 12 years old. At 49 years old, he's going to bring me right back, and that's that's basically my life. It's faith. Uh, At 16, by the time I was 16 years old, I was I was horsing around way too much in life and rebelling, and you know, really the last thing I wanted to do was be a preacher and be a pastor. And and man, you ain't going to make no money doing that, and and that's no fun, you know. Preachers don't get to go out and have fun, right? So, so at 16, I was rebelling, and, and it was, actually was at a youth camp, and God had an encounter with God in the wee hours of the morning. I couldn't sleep, and uh, made it over to the cafeteria, and, and uh, had, had this phenomenal encounter with God. But in the process of it, uh, the Lord told me, he said, I want you to take me serious, and I want you to knock it off. And son, if you will follow me all the days of your life, you're going to preach my word And I want you to make your decisions based on this promise. And the day will come, you're going to work for me. I'm going to be your boss. And and you'll pastor my flock. And I've made decisions on that word. 16 years old. So by the time I was, you know, I'm, I'm hitting my 20s, I'm like, all right, Lord, let's do this. Nothing. I was serving, I was volunteering, I was a youth pastor for 13 years. I was an associate pastor for nine years you know, and yeah, I'd make a little love offering here or there, but I, I always had to work a full-time job. And I praise God. He's always kept me employed, <laughs> you know, uh, never, never spent time being laid off anywhere. He's, he's been faithful to me, but I made career, he made me make career decisions. I turned down promotions. I turned down, you know, possibilities to work for different, different ministries because that was, I was, nope, nope, stick to your word. I lost friends because I held on to this word. There were days I wanted to delete. There were times that, 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 I, that I shoved it away. I said, I'm, I'm done with it. I, I was to a point, believe it or not, I was to a point, I was ready to just, I, I wasn't gonna walk away from God, but I was like, look, I'm done preaching. I'm, I'm, I'm done waiting on this, man. I'm getting old, <laughs> you know? I'm done with it. am not gonna pastor. And about, about a month after I told God that, and I sulked for a month, right? And he's just sitting there waiting patiently. Uh, I got a call from, uh, a, a text from, from Paul Gibbs. He say, Hey, come over to my house. It was New Year's day of 2018. So come over to my house. I want to talk to you. Next thing I know here, it was him and, and Bob Kimball and, and Lynn and Carrie and all this stuff. And they, they basically were saying, Hey, look, we got, we, we've started this church and we've got people coming and, and we need a pastor. You're already pastoring from your porch. Why don't you come over and pastor us? In other words, what was happening? Every time I tried to push the word away, I'd go through a season, I'd get discouraged, and I'd want to stop believing and give up on faith, and I'd start losing the fight of faith, and I'd, I'd, I'd chunk it as far as I could. I'm done with this word. I turn around, and it shows right back up. Right? And hanging on to this word, I, I've lost friendships because I wanted to hang on to this word, lost promotions, sacrificed time. And in, and, and in transparency, and I don't, please understand, I don't mean this wrong. I'm just telling you my journey. I lost a family. Uh, Grant, I still have my girls. It's not the same. Y'all know, those of you who have gone through divorce and walked through divorce, you, know, you understand. You, you still have your family, but it's not, it's not what you had worked for. It's not what you had fought for. But ultimately, when given an ultimatum in a roundabout way, and, you, I, and you're left standing saying, I can't, I, I got to hang on. I got to hang on to God. I got to hang on to, I, I can't walk away from this. And yet at the same time, you sit there and say, Lord, how many years? It's been 33 years. I'm trying to believe you. You know what he was trying to tell me? I'm not being slow the way you think I am. When I told you when you were 16 years old that you're going to pastor my flock, I answered, I, ca- I fulfilled that promise. In 2019, not 20. what year is this? 2021. In 2021, on the day on March 1st, when you officially get on payroll, I already saw, I, I was standing there looking at that day of the same day I was looking at you when you were 16 years old. It happened just like that. It's just taken your cursor a while to get through the song. 33 years. Now, I'm not the only one who's had to experience things like that. Some of y'all are still waiting on God to move. And I'm telling you, God has already moved. You just hadn't gotten to it yet. Some of you are believing for God to heal you. you. That's why the Bible says, by your stripes you were healed. Not you will be healed past tense. Why? Because he already did it. He's already blessed you. He's already moved. He's already answered the prayer. It may just take a while for you to get there. Why did he take 33 years? Because I am not, five years ago I was not the man I am today. I needed to walk through some things. I needed to go through some pressure. I I needed some things for my anointing. Why? So that I would appreciate it and treasure it because it cost me a lot. And when God fulfills the answer for your life, you're going to cling to that. Why? Because it cost you some things. You had to endure some things to get there. If you're struggling within your family, don't give up. You're just merely going through some stuff. Why? Because your, your wings are growing. If you're struggling with some things on the job, don't get discouraged Your wings are growing. I was reminded of, you remember the story of uh, Rebecca? The story of Rebecca. Uh, If you remember Abraham, Father Abraham, father of our faith, you remember what he was believing God for was a son, and that promised son was Isaac. And we preached about it all summer. Isaac finally grows to an age that he says, Abraham says, hey, He gets his main servant. He says, look, I don't want my boy marrying these Canaanite women. They're bad news. So I want you to go back to my homeland and from my father's house, from my own family, I want you to go find a bride for my son. And don't you come back till you have her. And the Bible says that the servant loaded up 10 camels full of treasures and gifts, packed them all down. And he goes on this long journey back to Abraham's homeland. And he sits down outside of the town at the well and he says, Lord, man, this is the biggest beating of my life. You know, I'm ready to get back home. So help me out here. He says, Look, I want, if there's any way, let whoever the girl is supposed to be, can you let her come out to the. He prayed a specific prayer. Don't be afraid to pray specific prayers. He said, Let her come out, let her offer me a drink, and then let her offer to water, like give my camels water. Now, he had 10 camels. They're probably quite tired and thirsty. They've been loaded down with gold and silver treasures, right? So they've been packed pretty, pretty good. So sure enough, he looks up. Here comes this girl. He says, Lord, just let, her, let this be the one. Well, it turns out it was Rebecca. Rebecca comes down. First thing she does is, hey, can I get you some water? So she draws water for him. And he, says, and he says, oh, I've been traveling a long way. She goes, hey, you just sit tight. Don't you worry about a thing. I'm going to water your camels. And she watered all the camels. And he goes, Huh, ah, thank you, God, that's her. You know, next thing he does is he puts a, puts a nose ring on her and a bunch of, bunch of gold bracelets and blesses her. And she runs home. The family invites him over. And she becomes betrothed to the to the wealthiest heir in the Mediterranean all because she gave him water and watered watered the camels you have to understand what all that entailed if you really think about it if you break it down you know she woke up that day thinking it was a normal day i'm going down to get some water for my family little did she know she was going to start on a journey and pour a lot of water that eventually would make her one of the wealthiest women you could find. Think about it: ten camels. Now she probably. This is very representative of, of most likely the water, water jars these young girls would walk, walk around in, and, and still to an extent, if, if you, in northern Africa and some of those areas, you'll see Kate and JJ. Y'all probably saw it with your own eyes. You know, you'll, they'll, they got almost like looks like gas cans, you know, plastic, plastic containers and stuff, but. Typically, they're going to be upwards of about five gallons, right? So we're going to do—we're going to have fun here, just to let you see just what kind of a woman Rebecca was, and why, you know. She, let me tell you something. She wasn't some little waif, that's for sure. This was a robust woman. She probably got enough muscles to whoop somebody after she did all this, right? So think about it. Five gallons, five gallons, right? She'd have to pull pull a bucket up from from the well, pour it into her. Jar, and then go water camels. There was 10 camels. Now, it is said, let's do the math. A thirsty camel can drink up to 53 gallons of water. She's got one jar, five-gallon jar, possibly. She's got to do 10 camels. That's 530 gallons of water. That means 530 divided by five equals about 106 trips to the well. If she wasn't in shape, she was after this. Yep. All right. So that whole afternoon and evening she's pouring water. Pouring water. Pouring water. Pouring water. Rebecca, we're going to have a card game over at our house. Those, those young girls are trying to, "Hey, we're going to we're going to get together and do the crochet class again." So I can't. Why? I'm pouring water. Got to got to water these tin camels. Pouring water. Pouring water. Pour water. Little did she know, she had no clue that with every pour, every trip back to the well, she was one pour closer to being betrothed and having all her dreams come true. And not only that, now being part of the lineage that would eventually birth the Messiah. With each pour, what I want you to know today is keep pouring water don't give up. God's not being slow. He's not being slow. Rethink how you're looking at it. Understand you got to go through a process. He's already answered your prayer. He answered it the moment that you prayed it. You just may take a while to get to it. Next time you stream, you stream a song on your phone, look at it differently. Understand that's how God sees your life. He sees the end from the beginning. Let's all stand. Lord, I praise you today for the divine delay. It's not fun. Sometimes I don't understand it. Sometimes it doesn't make any sense to me. But I know it's for a reason, and it's for a purpose. And so I praise you. I praise you because every person here represents an answered prayer. Whether they've encountered that answer yet or not, and if they haven't, Lord, I know you're still working on them. And so I praise you for it. I thank you for it. We are a blessed people because you've blessed us, and you've been faithful. And so we just trust you today. We're fighting the good fight of faith. Lord, I pray you strengthen those that are still waiting on their healing. You encourage those that are still waiting on unification and reconciliation. You bless those and give them hope who are needing a financial miracle. Whatever the need is, Lord, we just trust you today. In the midst of the divine delay, You're really not being slow, but you're letting us grow. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everyone say amen. Amen. All right, we're gonna sing one last song. Let's praise him together because he loves you beyond anything you can even fathom. God loved you so much that he would take his logos, his word, the very spirit and meaning of his word and wrap it in flesh and let let that flesh die for my sins so that I wouldn't have to be punished, but I could have eternal life just by believing Him and just by having trust and faith in Him. He loves us today, amen.